0: Can you remember the last time you felt a thrill of hope? That crackling energy rising up in your chest when you hold your breath and strain your ears and and lean forward in your chair. Something extraordinary is about to happen and every molecule of your body is spinning, waiting, hoping, longing. That's our theme for this Advent season, a thrill of hope. Something extraordinary is about to happen, but we're not ready for it, not yet. And so we spend four Sundays of Advent getting ready, preparing ourselves. I know Santa Claus rode into Hickory at the end of the Christmas parade back in the middle of November. I know Christmas music has been jingling out of our radios since Halloween. I know the decorations are up, the lights are twinkling, the stockings are hung by the chimney with care, and that's all good. But the church says to hold your horses or hold your reindeer. Something extraordinary is about to happen. The thrill of hope is being born in us once again, but we're not ready for it. Not yet. That's what Advent is for. And so our reading for today begins not in Bethlehem, not with Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, but with two obscure characters named Zachariah and Elizabeth who will become the parents of John the Baptist, who will be the one who makes the way for Jesus. See, even Luke is making us wait before we get to the Christmas story. So we have Zechariah and Elizabeth, both descended from the priestly line, though only Zechariah could actually be a professional priest. Both were righteous and blameless before God, pillars of the community, paragons of faith. Only one thing was missing. They didn't have a child. Now, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around how people thought about this in the first century we see things really differently today we understand the complexity of fertility and and the different choices people make and and the possibilities of leading a very fulfilling life without children but that's just not how people saw things in the first century and for Zachariah and Elizabeth the fact that they didn't have any children was a blemish on their record it suggested again to people in the first century that something was wrong, something was off, that God was withholding the blessings of fertility for some reason. Now that blame would have fallen mostly on Elizabeth. They didn't understand in the first century that fertility was as much about the father as the mother. So Elizabeth would have borne the brunt of this, but Zachariah certainly carried around a heavy burden as well. I mentioned our theme, a thrill of hope. Well, it seems like it had been a long time since Zechariah and Elizabeth had experienced that. Of course, Zechariah is a priest. And in our story today, this is his big day. He's been chosen to go into the temple and light the incense and then come out to the people gathered outside and pronounce a blessing. Now that may seem like an ordinary thing, don't we sort of do that every Sunday? But this was a sacred duty, such a holy thing that a priest could only ever do it once in their lifetime. And some never got the chance to do it at all. You have to remember, for the people of Israel, one did not play around with the glory of God. God's presence, God's Shekinah in the Hebrew could knock you off your feet, or worse, Back in the first temple only once a year on the day of atonement could a priest enter the holiest of holies and utter the name of God and legends say that they would tie a rope around the priest's leg so that if he was struck dead by the presence of God they could drag him out without risking destruction themselves we don't quite do that here at First Presbyterian Church So Zechariah isn't just sweeping up around the altar and doing a sound check to make sure everything's ready for the service. This is a big deal, a holy deal. And as he lights the incense, an angel appears. And the angel says, fear not, which is the first thing angels always say, which leads me to believe, far from looking like cute little cuddly cherubim, there must be something frightening about an angel's appearance. So they're always having to tell people to settle down. Now, Zachariah is surprised when the angel shows up and in a way it's surprising that he's surprised. He's taking his once in a lifetime visit to the very heart of God's presence on earth. What did he think was going to happen? Maybe his surprise is a hint. Zechariah is an old hand, a religious professional. He's been at this for a while. And maybe, like too many religious professionals, the last thing he expects is for God to show up and disrupt his routine. Well, you know the rest of the story. The angel promises a child, and Zechariah dares to ask a question. You know, Mary does the same thing later in this same chapter, of, asks the angel a question expressing her uncertainty, but, but Mary gets away with it. Zechariah does not. Maybe the religious professional should have known better. So when Zechariah asks, how is he supposed to believe this? The angel sighs and says, because I'm Gabriel, dummy, and then silences him for nine months. So Zechariah, the religious professional, can't even fulfill his duties. He's supposed to go to the people gathered outside and and pronounce a blessing, but all he can do is play a game of, of sacred charades. And the people figure out something holy is going on, but nobody really knows what. Everyone's left in silence, wondering and waiting. Now people usually read this story as a story of Zechariah's disbelief. And so Gabriel muted him as a kind of punishment. But I wonder if it's not less about disbelief and more about weariness. Zechariah's been at this a long time. He's been saying the prayers, doing the rituals for decades and the world still seems just as dark as it did when he was a young priest fresh out of seminary. And oh by the way, he's still sitting there childless. So I agree with Barbara Brown Taylor that it's not so much unbelief as a failure of imagination, a fear of disappointment, a habit of hopelessness. Maybe that's a good warning for us too. Maybe it's a failure of imagination, a fear of disappointment, a habit of hopelessness that gets in the way of our Christmas hope too there's an old word an ugly word that hangs over this story did you catch it early on barren that's what people in the first century would have said about Elizabeth that she was barren that she couldn't have children but I think this story is at least as much about the barrenness of Zechariah Zechariah knew all the right words he knew the stories he knew the promises but he was weary his imagination had grown cold. He could not conceive of a future that was different than the present. God was doing something new and Zechariah could not make room for it. And so the story is about new birth, but it's as much about what's being born in Zechariah as it is about the child being born to Elizabeth. The angel planted the seed of joy in Zechariah, and for nine months he watched silently as Elizabeth's belly grew, as he knew the promise was coming true, as his icy heart slowly melted, as his imagination stretched and strained, as joy welled up inside of him, so that after his son, John, was born, his tongue was finally loosed with joyful praise, like a, like a dam bursting. But he needed those nine months to get ready for it. He needed that time to grow, to become something new himself. So I think his silence was not a punishment, but a gift. And maybe this story invites us to receive our own silence, our own unknowing, our own waiting as a gift. Not as divine absence, but as divine presence slowly silently doing something new in us. Barrenness is not childlessness, it is an absence of joy. And that's what Advent is about, confessing our weariness, our stunted imaginations, our hardened hearts so that God can create something new in the world and in our lives. That is the new birth. The thrill of hope that can happen in each and every one of us and it may take some time. It may take four weeks. It may take nine months, but it will come. The God that sets the stars on fire and brings life out of death can create something new in you. Now despite everything I've said about not moving too quickly to Christmas. We're gonna sing a Christmas carol. I'm gonna invite the band to come on down front. We're gonna sing, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And as we sing, I wanna invite you to focus especially on verse three. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, Where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. May that be our prayer this day. Let's stand and sing together.